This is the Cybersecurity Cast, where we dive into the latest cybersecurity news, trends, vulnerabilities, and exploits for those already in the know and those who need to know. The Cybersecurity Cast is produced by Herjavec Group. Information security is what we do. We are an expert team of highly dedicated security specialists supported by strategic and emerging technology partners who are laser focused on keeping our enterprise customers cyber secure. Today, we're talking about how consumers and enterprises can stay safe online. The Department of Homeland Security, DHS, recognizes October as National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Now in its 14th year, this initiative has grown to include countries around the world and will add expansive international support under the umbrella of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This month is designed to engage and educate businesses and consumers to raise awareness about the importance of cybersecurity, provide them with the tools and resources needed to stay safe online, and increase everyone's cyber resilience. Herjavec Group is proud to be a Cybersecurity Awareness Month champion. Each week in October is dedicated to a cybersecurity theme. The first week was dedicated to implementing simple steps to online safety, and the second week is dedicated to understanding that cybersecurity in the workplace is everyone's business. The onus of securing important data, whether corporate or personal, is on everyone. From entry-level employees to the boardroom, it is critical that businesses invest the time necessary to educate their employees on how to maintain a safer digital presence. With that in mind, we asked various Herjavec Group team members, from marketing to sales to tech, how do you stay safe online? And what tips do you have for individuals and enterprises to do the same? While the team members we talked to serve different business functions and have different lifestyles and devices, we found that the core advice on how to stay safe online remains much of the same. For example, many of us shop online thanks to the convenience factor, but not every environment is conducive to performing financial transactions online. Shopping online at home over a trusted Wi-Fi network is one thing, but what about when using public Wi-Fi? Is that safe? Well, I try not to do any online shopping in public Wi-Fi spaces. In addition to banking, I think that's really important. You never know where that Wi-Fi is going and who's watching you. Be weary when it comes to online shopping. Know what you're putting your credit card information into what sites you're going to. Check your statements. Make sure everything that shows up as a charge should be there. Um, if you like, uh, get a temporary uh, card that you can preload. So some of those preloaded credit cards are great for online shopping because if someone uh, steals your credit card information, uh, they won't be able to uh, clean out your full credit line on that credit card. You can also get a credit freeze put in place uh, with a credit bureau. So people, if they impersonate you, can't uh, take out money uh, under your name. And uh, you can also check your credit report. It's important to understand that public Wi-Fi, even when secured with a guest sign-on, can be penetrated easily by a skilled hacker. So if you're conducting any financial transactions, whether online banking or shopping, it may be better to wait until you're home. Of course, there are other actions that also put us at risk of being attacked online. Lately, we've seen a rise in ransomware cyber attacks affecting a wide array of businesses and consumers. What you may not know is cybercriminals are often using phishing email scams to propagate ransomware. You know, the next big way people get into our environments is phishing us. You know, sending you information, pretending to be somebody else to get you to do something so they can collect information about you. For example, FedEx is not going to randomly ship me a package, especially with an attachment. 
You know, Fed, if I get an email from FedEx and I have no idea what the package is, number one, I'm deleting the email and never opening the attachment. Even if I'm expecting a package from FedEx, I don't expect them to send me an attachment telling me what's going on. I expect them to just send me a tracking number. And even if there's a link behind that tracking number, I'm just taking the number, I'm going to the FedEx site and I'm typing in that number as opposed to clicking on the link. If you want to be certain, you know, hover over the link. Just put your mouse over the link and if you look the, down the bottom of your browser, it will typically show you where you're going. Alright, so something to keep in mind to keep safe. Your bank is not going to call you and ask for your credit card number. I, I take that to an extreme because one of the banks I deal with calls me every once in a while about fraud protection and it's usually related to me traveling across the globe and they'll say, hey, were you in such and such a country? And it's the, when I get that call and they say, we've got some fraud issues, I'm saying, sorry, let me call you back. I hang up the phone, I take out my Visa card, I call the number on the back of the Visa card, and then I call them. And they say, get me to the security department. Usually don't end up talking to the same person, but they know while I'm why I'm calling. Staying safe online is similar to staying safe offline, actually. And I think the same principles apply. You got to look at the neighborhood that you're in, look at the people that you're dealing with and assess as to whether the next step you take is safe or not. So for example, the neighborhood that you're in. When you're in your own neighborhood and you're familiar with the surroundings, you take less security precautions. You, it's much easier to just go to the corner store or walk around your neighborhood when you're comfortable with your surroundings. The same is true online. If you're at a site that you're familiar with, it looks familiar and it looks like it normally does, you should feel free to browse as normal. On the other hand, if you're in a site that you're familiar with but it doesn't look normal, if you're in your neighborhood and something doesn't look right, you should take extra caution. Same thing applies with people. You know, when you're dealing with people, if you know them and if you trust them, you're much more open with them and you share more information with them in person. Online, the same is true. There's been a big trend in whaling recently, uh, which is, you know, pretending to be someone in the company who's senior enough to sign off on a capital expenditure and then having that money sent out to a third party that isn't the intended third party and that can result in a huge loss, reputation loss for the company as well as monetary loss. If you receive an email or a communication from someone that you know, you should trust it as long as it looks normal and looks like it normally does. If you receive communications from people you don't know, you should proceed with extra caution. Don't click on those links. Don't even necessarily open it if it's not from someone you know, because if you're not expecting it, it might be malicious. As far as email, I think, again, this applies both to consumer as well as to enterprise. I hope for over everything. Someone asks you to click on a URL and it may look like a it may look like something pretty legit. You put your cursor over top of it, you hover over top of it, and all of a sudden it looks like this alphabet soup. Um, it goes from being one inch long to being eight inches long. That's probably, it's probably not legit. Uh, it's probably something you should bail on. And then I'm old fashioned. I'm, I've been around long enough to, uh, I still like using the phone. You get in a situation like that, or you get an email that doesn't look quite right, pick up the phone, call the, call the sender. Find out if it was legit. Find out if it really came from them. Uh, last time I looked, picking up the phone and calling somebody isn't going to do anything bad and evil to your system. One of the best methods to avoid being fished online is to simply verify the email contents if you know the sender. 
hackers are getting creative and are able to send malicious attachments from your trusted sources. So if you're unsure, simply verify with the sender before opening the attachment. Another common tip we heard was to have strong password etiquette. Unfortunately, a common mistake many users make is using simple passwords that can be easily hacked and using the same password for every account. This makes it extremely easy for hackers to gain access into every account you have regardless of which account was compromised in a breach. Hackers can use this technique to gain deeper access into your corporate or personal networks and cause significant damage. So what's considered good password etiquette? Create complex passwords. That's something I'm very keen on. Uh, different passwords for everything. I mean, if you have the same Facebook password as your banking password, maybe a good idea to switch it up here and then. There are a lot of apps online to use uh, password vaults to help keep you safe. Sometimes people find it difficult to use strong passwords that are unique for every website. So what I would urge people to think about is come up with a unique string of characters that changes for each website and then another component that maybe stays the same for a six month period. Combine those two into a strong password and that should uh, help make it a little easier for you to remember but keep it strong enough to keep up the bad guys. While these tips are great for businesses and consumers alike, there are a few extra steps that enterprises should take to keep their data secure online. Make sure you keep everything patched. Check it, patch it, and keep doing it. That's one of the basics that is very important for any enterprise. So enterprises have a dual responsibility, which is that they need to put defenses in place to protect their data, customer data, but they also need to inform their employees on how to conduct themselves. So you'll hear this over and over again, but security awareness is a critical part of every information security program because that is the one gap, the human factor is the one gap that any attacker can exploit. No matter how strong your defenses are, there will always be someone who can be convinced to do something because they think it's right, but it's not really right. So for enterprises, you know, I think the most important thing is having that strategy to defend and protect using layers of defense, you know, defense in depth, investing in the core, in the core foundation of your security program, but also investing ahead of the curve. So looking at new technologies, staying on top of what the vendors and service providers are offering to ensure that you're getting the most value out of your security investments. But it's also regularly, and this is more frequent than annually, you can't wait for October Cybersecurity Month just to do security awareness. It's actually a daily thing. It's communications within the company, it's posters, it's seminars, and it's just getting security ingrained into people's minds. So when they're in the field and that email comes up with the suspicious link, they think twice before clicking it. Although enterprises could once get away with placing site restrictions on corporate devices, that may not be enough anymore. So what more can enterprises do? In the sort of early days of allowing people to use the internet, a lot of companies sort of you know, cracked down and didn't allow people to go on Facebook or Twitter or any social media sites or you know, a lot of sites that frankly now are used for legitimate business purposes in a lot of different business areas. And so it's very hard to totally restrict those areas anymore. And yet, even within those very large sites, there are sometimes potential 
danger and potential uh, damaging threats that, that do exist. And so you need to be really, really careful. You can't totally tighten that down from a user perspective. And frankly, even if you could on their you know, workstations and laptops, you know, people are bringing their own technology, bringing their own devices to work. And so even if you don't allow them to do it on their desktop, they can do it on their phone and their phone can be tied into the corporate back end. And so it's really just as much of a risk as if they were doing it directly. There's actually a number of different things that companies can really focus on. And it starts with first, you know, that education and awareness, making people aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing trying to provide education to employees on what are the, the, the best things that they should be focusing on. And then once you've done that, there's still going to be a certain amount of, you know, activity that, that goes through. People still are going to be fooled. People are still going to be uh, going through things. So you need to have the ability to detect within an organization when people have, you know, downloaded malicious files, when they have you know, potentially downloaded malware when they've downloaded things that potentially can damage. So you need to, as an organization, make sure you're monitoring, make sure you have that visibility within the organization, because even no matter how much money you spend, no matter how much time you spend on educating users, the hackers will always find ways to get around it and to trick people into doing things that they shouldn't. And so detection is really key. Prevention is also key. So there's a lot of great technologies out there that also give you the ability to block you know, phishing attacks and block websites or, or even elements within websites that have malicious code or malicious downloads. So, you know, having the latest technology on the desktops, on people's phones, uh, and, and even from a network perspective, if they're, if they're leveraging the corporate network to actually prevent against that. And then lastly, even with education, even with detection, and even with prevention, things still will happen. So you need to have a response capabilities as well. Even when you've done all that, you need to make sure that you do best practices to try and recover under a malicious attack. So make sure you have critical data backed up. Make sure you have a business continuity plan. Make sure that you have an incident response plan. All those things really an organization needs to do to really make sure that they're focused on uh, when the bad stuff happens, that they can recover, and they can recover in a timely manner that doesn't impact the business overall. At the end of the day, the best way to stay safe online is to stay cyber aware. Keep on top of the latest cyber news so that you know how best to protect yourself, your business, and your data. I think that's the perfect way to close this off, so thanks to all of our podcast guests for taking the time to speak with us on the Cybersecurity Cast. We hope you've enjoyed this discussion on how you can stay safe online. Stay tuned for future casts where we will talk ransomware, incident response plans, incorporating threat intelligence, and more. We will also be posting regular content on our blog at herjavekgroup.com surrounding all the other themes of October National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so don't forget to check out our thought leadership content. If you have any suggestions on topics you'd like us to cover, please contact us with your ideas at info at Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. You can also find the podcast on our website. And for more cybersecurity news, trends, and expert perspectives, please visit herjavekgroup.com. Until next time.